Well, happy Easter uh, on behalf of everyone at the church, um, Justin and Tiffany Brooks, the band, Father Eric, Mother Mary, the rector, everybody at the church. We want to wish you a very happy Easter. This is our second Easter to celebrate digitally. Like this is the same thing I had, we had last year. It's the same thing we have this year, but I'm confident this is it. Like there's so much change and hope and good things that are happening that I'm quite confident will be back to normal fairly soon. But um, happy Easter. Glad you're tuning in with us today. And, um, you know, during this time between these two digital Easters, it's been a really weird year in lots of different ways. It's been a year that we've seen some good things and some really bad things, right? I mean, I think about the good things. I've talked to lots of different people who've talked about some of the really positive things of the year, more time with family, more time for reflection and thought and prayer and all these different kinds of things that were on the good side, but it's also been a really bad year in other fronts, right? Cause we're up to, and the numbers that I'm quoting are like from last month, but like 29 million Americans have had COVID. As of last month, we're up to like 524,000 people who've died. We've had lots of unwanted isolation and economic carnage and all these different kinds of things. And this past year through all of that, it's had me reflecting on the place of hope. And when we start to think about hope, I think that there are two different kinds of hope. And, and today, my, my prayer for today's sermon is that it's practical, that it matters to you. And that it's something we can use and, and live and go forward with. But when we think about hope, I think there are two different levels of hope that we operate on. The first of which is like the short-term hope. It's the hope that gets us through the friction of life for that week. Like if I can just get to Friday, because I know I'm having, I'm meeting with some friends. Or if I can just get to Saturday, because I know I'm going to go play golf with somebody. Or, or whatever it is, there's like the short-term something that's better that's coming. But then there's this other one that's this long-term hope. It's the one that goes over our whole life. It's the one that speaks to having meaning and purpose. It's the one that will be the one we hold on to on the darkest days that we walk through in life. And for Christians, that hope is based on the resurrection. It's based on what we're gathering to celebrate today. And what I would like to do for our time this morning on this reflection is to think about this place of that hope that comes from the resurrection, what it means and how we have more of it in our lives. When I begin to think about that, I, 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 I think I did this before, but, but I, I stopped to look at the evidence. I went back um, this week and was looking at the survey work that's been done by the Barna Group, which is a statistical um, group that works on basically a lot of times on Christian issues. They've done a couple recent um, surveys looking at Americans and asking questions about faith. And it's interesting to me that what they come back and they say is, look, almost everybody, like 95% of people believe that Jesus existed, was a historical person who lived. And the majority of Americans, even today, believe that he was God. So I don't think it's that hard for us to go the extra step of saying, well, if he's God, then he was resurrected. 
but I'm a scientist at heart, so I, and I know this, we struggle with one of events, things that only happen once we struggle with because we're not able to go into the laboratory and reproduce it and show that it's repeatable and do all these different kinds of things. It's a one of event. And that's what the resurrection is. Jesus is resurrected from the dead. But I don't know that it's that hard, really. I recently read uh, some of the writings from a, one of the professors at Dartmouth who was speaking at this forum called the Veritas Forum. Some of y'all may have heard of it. And I want to read part of what he says. His name is Lindsay Whaley. And um, he talks about the resurrection um, in his Veritas Forum. He says, billions of people around the world celebrate Jesus's resurrection, but can we really take it seriously? Or is Christianity, as cosmologist Stephen Hawkins once put it, a faith story for people afraid of the dark? Resurrection is the concept, even intellectually, responsible in the 21st century. This is Whaley speaking. After all, we know that death equals decomposition equals dirt. Again, Stephen Hawking wrote, I regard the brain as a computer which will stop working when its components fail. There is no heaven or afterlife for broken down computers. But is the resurrection that hard to believe and hold on to? Dr. Whaley goes on to say this, most people agree that the historical record is quite strong on the following points. Jesus was born in ancient Palestine. He became known for his healing and teaching activities. He clashed with religious establishment and was crucified by the Romans. He was given a dignified burial. His tomb was found empty and many people experienced visions of him after his death, including the closest disciples and a large number of his other followers. He was worshiped as God soon after his death and belief about him as divine savior who had been resurrected spread rapidly throughout the Roman empire. Is it that hard? He finishes by saying, for me, the resurrection requires only one external hypothesis, that there's a God who can perform miracles. And it seems that most people believe that and I'm aware on this day, more than others, we have lots of visitors and people who, who tune in who may not normally. And I would say this, if you're stuck in that place, I would suggest two resources. One is Lee Strobel's book, The Case for Christ. Or if you want to go academic and deep and really all the way, you would go to N.T. Wright's book entitled The Resurrection of the Son of God. But I wonder if the harder question that we face is not whether the resurrection happened. We can kind of go along with that and believe that. But maybe the harder question is, so what? Why does it matter? How will it impact me tomorrow as I live life? And I want to suggest a number of things before I um, come back to talking about maybe how we have more hope in our lives. But we start thinking about why does it matter? I think maybe the first thing we think about is, it means that what Jesus said about himself is true. Who Jesus said he is, is true. And he said lots of really amazing things about himself. Like, like I'm just going to give a couple different examples when you think about it. Jesus said um, in John eleven twenty five, I'm the resurrection 
and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And Jesus made, you know, he made lots of different kinds of claims that were just like, if he wasn't God, if this wasn't true, if he wasn't raised, would be crazy things, right? He goes on to say, I'm, I'm the only way to heaven. I'm the savior of the world. And there are people who try to make Jesus into only being a great teacher. Okay, I, I'm not gonna go for all that other stuff, but he's a great teacher. But let's be honest, that really cannot be the case if you're trying to hold him to just to that. I occasionally, on a good day, have people tell me I'm a good teacher. But if next week I came up and said, well, I'm actually God and I can actually help you, I'm gonna resurrect you or do what, or I'm the resurrection or whatever else, you would have to say, okay, he was good, but he's crazy. He's actually crazy, he's off his rocker. So I don't think Jesus left us with a whole lot there. Like either these claims he makes are true or he's crazy, like really crazy. And he makes other claims, right? Like he has this day, we've been, this past week, I don't know if you've been with us, but we've been walking through this final week of Jesus' life on earth. And he starts with his coming into Jerusalem and he gets this moment where he goes to the temple, the center of it all. And he overturns the tables and gets rid of the money changers. And he does all this stuff. And the people who are in authority are like, what are you doing? What authority do you have to do this? And I'm going to play a little bit loose with my translation, but Jesus kind of says, well, I'm God. And they're like, no, prove that. And he doesn't say it exactly this way, but he kind of does with symbolism. He says, look, kill me. And three days later, I'm coming back. And that's exactly what he does. So I think the first thing we point to is like when we read the pages of scripture, Jesus is exactly who he said he is because we see him raised from the dead. And we see along with that, that um, Jesus is, power is demonstrated in all of this. And Jesus talked about this. He talked about it before he died, about the place of power and how it's been given to him. And we think about how, let me just give a couple examples. He says, all power on earth and in heaven is given to me. Or in John 10, 18, he says, nobody takes my life from me. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it up again. He's got that kind of power. And it's kind of you know, it's interesting. They do everything they can do to, to be done with Jesus. They mock him, beat him, torture him, kill him, put him into a tomb, roll the stone, seal it, put a guard in it on top of it. All of this to no avail. And Jesus is resurrected and we celebrate that on this day. He demonstrates that he really does have the power that he said he did, that he had. And along with that, we might think about how um, this is a, sort of a corollary of that is how G it shows how Jesus keeps his promises. Because Jesus talked about what would happen about this. This is this is the way it's going to be. You can think, for example, about uh, Mark 10, 34, um, where Jesus says they will mock and flog and kill me. But after three days, I will come back to life. This idea that he's telling them in advance exactly how this is going to go. And he keeps his promise. And it's, it's a, <laughs> in a weird way, it's kind of funny that Jesus, like these, these 
people who their lives are committed to this whole system of authority and, ex- and power and the chain of command and all these things. And they condemn Jesus and they kill him and they do all these things to him, torture him. And he's up there, they're mocking him. And then three days later, he's up and he's being seen by people and going around. Jesus keeps these promises and these things that he said. And for us, all these things are a reminder to us about Jesus is exactly who he says he is. He has the power that he talked about and that he keeps his promises. And I think beyond that, we come to like this huge thing that begins to like impact us even more deeply is that through Jesus's life, death and resurrection, we find new life. We find the burdens that we carry, the past that we have, the stuff that we regret, that we feel, you know, that we, we've been condemned about, Jesus takes. And we can find forgiveness in that. And I will share with you that, like, I think one of the, great, one of the greatest joys, if not the greatest joy about my job at the church is working with somebody who has this incredible burden on their shoulders and helping them to realize and come to this place where they understand all of the things we've just talked about and they suddenly have this burden removed and it's replaced by lightness, by joy. You know, I, th- I always think about the, um, if you've ever saw the movie, it's an old movie from the eighties, but it, the movie, The Mission, where one of the brothers kills the other brother and part of his penance after that is he carries this ginormous ball thing behind him on a chain and he just he always is carrying with it and finally eventually one day one of the people just takes a machete and cuts it and to me that's kind of the the feeling that sometimes we get when people come with heavy burdens and realize you get a redo like god is going to do a redo after redo and let you let go of all that stuff that's part of the joy that's part of the deep joy and purpose of what we think about and celebrate on this day and i think when we talk about the hope of this day, we begin to think about hope. Hope means that we believe there's a better day ahead of us. And I believe when we come to the cross and we see Jesus die, and then we see three days later that he's resurrected, we get infinite hope. And it's not just hope for us as individuals, but it's hope for the entire world. Like God is saying, I've got something better for the entire world, a new heaven a new earth, a new place. And it calls us into something worthwhile to make sacrifices for it. I really like the um, New Testament scholar, Anglican Bishop N.T. Wright, what he says about this. I wanna read what he says in part about this. He says, the message of the resurrection is that this world matters, that the injustices and pains of the present world must now be addressed with the news that healing, justice, and love have won. If Easter means Jesus Christ is only raised in a spiritual sense, then it's only about me and finding new dimensions in my personal spiritual life. But if Jesus Christ is truly risen from the dead, Christianity becomes good news for the whole world. News which warms our hearts precisely because it isn't just about warming hearts. Easter means that in a world where injustice, violence, and degradation are endemic, God is not 
prepared to tolerate such things and that we will work and plan with all the energy of God to implement victory of Jesus over them all. To me, that is the big hope. That's the big hope, all these things, that's the big hope that comes and has this arc over our whole lives. Whatever the worst day is we're ever gonna experience, that's the hope that carries us. That's the hope that gives us meaning, the hope that gives us purpose, that calls us into a better world, a future that matters. And while we live here, I think this Easter hope matters also for us personally. I think about this Easter cycle that we've been through in the last three days, how we experience it in our own lives. We at times experience death, which we talked about on Friday. We experience confusion and pain on Saturday and the new life on Sunday. That pattern happens often in our lives. Death, confusion, new life. I think whenever I think about that, I think one of the great uh, witnesses to that comes from um, Rick Warren and Kay Warren. Because they, when they talk about their son who died at the age of 27, this is exactly what they talk about. And shortly after he died, like within a year of him dying, people began to interview him because, you know, he's seen as a big pastor in the United States. And I want to read part of how he answers this question. He says, I've often been asked, how, how have you made it? How have you kept going in pain? And I've often replied, well, the answer is Easter. You see, the death and burial and the resurrection of Jesus happened over three days. Friday was a day of suffering and pain and agony. Saturday was a day of doubt and confusion and misery. But Easter, that Sunday, was a day of hope and joy and victory. And here's the fact of life. You'll face these three days over and over and over in your lifetime. And when you do, you'll find yourself asking, as I did, three fundamental questions. Number one, what do I do in my days of pain? Two, how do I get through my days of doubt and confusion? And three, how do I get to the days of joy and victory? That's a cycle that comes up again and again. And I want to linger on his final question. His answer to it all is Easter. But how do we get to that day of joy and victory? Well, I think we, we embrace this hope. We breathe in this hope. And at a very, very practical level, how do we do that? I think we do it by daily committing ourselves to living out this hope to daily committing ourselves to saying I'm broken and all these other things, but I'm committing my day to being a Christ follower, to praying, to reading scripture, to being nurtured, to having community. All these things lead us into this place of living out that hope and working for a better day and a better future. One of the articles I read in the last, in the last month or so gave me encouragement about this and particularly how we embrace hope through reading scripture, because we find God and Jesus and hope in that place. This was a study that was done by one of the uh, organizations at Harvard, along with American Bible Society. And uh, they, the group that's um, at Harvard is the Human Flourishing Program at Har Harvard University, 
linked up with the American Bible Society. And what they found out is that people who read scripture are more hopeful. That's the bottom line. But I want to give you some of the details. Bible readers rated themselves 33 points more hopeful than those who don't read scripture regularly. They did two surveys, six months apart recently, thousand people each. And the study found that the more you read, basically the more hopeful you are. I'm going to give you the numbers. He said on a scale of one to a hundred, with a hundred being the most hopeful, Americans who report reading the Bible three or four times per year scored 42. People who read monthly scored 59. People who read weekly, 66. And people who read multiple times a week, 75. Tyler Vanderweel, the director of the Human Flourishing Program at Harvard, said this, Bible reading, along with other forms of community and discipleship, such as going to church, participating in a small group, appear to contribute to people's sense of well-being and happiness. He said the churches have an important and profound role in contributing to people's well-being in general, and especially so during this time. The more we connect with God, the more hope we have. And I think when we go to the original Easter, we see that profoundly. Because, you know, stop if you haven't done this and think about Jesus' inner circle. On Friday night, they're as low as low gets. They're crushed. Three years, they've given up their lives and followed him. For three years, they more or less believed he was the Messiah, the one who would come in power to do all these things. And then in a 24-hour period, they're crushed. He's none of that. He didn't do any of that. He died like a wimp on a cross. But then Mary Magdalene runs to to the tomb and she finds it empty and she runs back and gets them and they run there and they're all just taken back by that and she hangs and then she encounters Jesus and then all this transformation takes place and it's huge. And what we see from there is that they go on to become these great leaders who change the world. They're the reason we're here today. But this is how it works. Jesus comes into the places of death in our, our lives and brings life. And it's not just us, it's, it's for everyone. It doesn't matter. He comes to the places of death and he brings life. If we've had our hope crushed, he comes and brings life. If we've gotten to where our routines are just empty and void, he comes into that place. And he comes for everyone. For those who loved him, like Mary Magdalene did, she encounters him on this day and begins this new life, this new transformation. Or the people who are paralyzed by fear or the people who are full of doubt like Thomas was. He still came to Thomas. He still goes to that place. Or even the people who are hostile to Jesus like Paul was. He comes to everyone. This is something where he comes to everyone. We live in a time, I think, where we need hope more than ever. And Jesus comes to us again on this day with Easter hope. He invites everyone to come and find this deep place of love and forgiveness and power. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you that you love us. And on this day, we celebrate and thank you for Jesus, for his life, for his teaching, for his death and for his resurrection. Lord, we pray that you would fill our hearts with Easter hope. Help us to be open and lean into that. 
that we can be a bright light for a better future in the world. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.